1: surrounding your Cincinnati Reds and that's Cincinnati Reds America's team we're going to explore that narrative we're going to look at an outfield shakeup, and we're going to take your questions and comments on this live bonus edition of Locked on Reds hit it Jeffrey
0: you are locked on Reds your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host Stephen Offenbaker. We Our lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you. I want to thank you for joining us here today on this live bonus edition of the Locked On Reds podcast and making us part of your day. We encourage you to drop down into that comment section. Leave us a question. Leave us a comment. Who do you think is the best Red? Do you think the Reds are America's team? And did Stuart Fairchild save his job in the outfield, at least for a little bit longer? We've got lots to discuss on today's Locked On Reds podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and we wanna thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Everydayers, you are absolutely amazing, and we love having you on board. Uh, Before we jump into today's live, also wanted to shout out the fact that we've got a Discord going. Make sure you join that. It's a great community. Down in the comments section, Uh, we, we talk during games, after games, after episodes, in between episodes and games, all that great stuff. So check it out today. But, Steve, we've got to jump into this because it was an interesting narrative that I think some folks were whispering about. Maybe there were a couple of national prognosticators that were just like, hmm, the Reds are kind of fun. Does that make them like America's team or something like that? And then we got... This last night, uh, where America's team is a good feeling, we got the chant going. America's team, you know, we're going. Just absolutely amazing. So are we? Are those Cincinnati Reds America's team?
1: Listen, I love the fact that this narrative is player-driven right now. I think you hit on this a little bit um, on the regular episode today uh, that you did by yourself. Uh, Thanks for covering me while I was flying halfway around the world. Uh, But I I think you hit on that a little bit, that this is more player-driven than it is media-driven or fan-driven. And I love it. I love the attitude. I love the swagger. I love that this team suddenly finds itself in a position of being good enough being exciting enough, being interesting enough to have this kind of swagger. You know, we didn't get this in 2022 because they were getting their brains bashed in every day. Yeah. We finally have a bunch of players that they want to win. They want to get better. They love the fans in Cincinnati. They want to build this this energy around them and it's infectious, it's contagious. Uh it's hard to not get excited. You know, I've been for weeks now trying to tell you like let's 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 ease up. Let's let's dial it back. Let's not go all in on this win the division now stuff. And then I found myself, you know, late last week going, they're, gonna the division, they're <laughs> going to win the division, Jeff. And it's just, I, I can't help myself because they create that kind of energy.
2: Yes. And let's, let's squash the counter narrative on the other side of this. Cause I've seen a lot of people saying, we're just like, man, but that's really braggadocious. And then that's really, they must have some real big heads about themselves. I think this is the team mentality that this team has created way back in spring training uh, Jonathan India even Joey Votto even though he was rehabbing but Joey Votto talked a lot about this David Bell talked a lot about this about how this team had to gel and come together right away and not have a slow start and sure they started 7 and 15 but I don't know if you saw this and it was making its rounds on Twitter since April 23rd the Reds are 27 and 20. No other team in the NL Central is above 500. In fact, the bet the second best record is the Pirates at 18 and 25. Like the Reds are so much better than the rest of their division ever since they've started making all of these call ups. And yes, there are still holes. This is not a perfect team. This is a team that needs some help in some different areas. But the craziest thing about where they need help at. They have built in solutions coming off the injured list.
1: That, that's true. Or, um, Uh, in one particular instance, being able to move other guys into a solution by just calling up, uh, I don't know, a very talented Christian Encarnacion Strand. Uh, I I was told to stop using CES all the time, say the guy's name every once in a while. That was in the comment section on YouTube. I heard you guys Christian Encarnacion Strand and I don't say it exactly. He did say
2: that he's going to have Encarnacion on the back of his jersey, right? It's Encarnacion, not Strand. He
1: did. And and that was because I think that when the, the Stowe's were having to make that Jersey, um, <laughs> like they the were like, it's a it. full circle around the number <laughs> and they just, they didn't want to. Do it. So look, CES coming up onto this team, solves some of the problems, the, the return of injured players, moving people around, forcing the reds to make some moves, solve some of these problems, guys coming back from the injured list, solve some of these problems. And suddenly by the time you get to the trade deadline, it's almost like they will have gone out and added dudes via trade. Uh, without having to give anything up because some of the players coming back I fully expect to be contributors now there's a couple question marks in there but as a whole I feel like they're going to be upgrading this team just by the fact of guys coming back from injury and they're not going to have to give up anything
2: to do it and I do want to hit on that a little bit later in more detail but going back to the America's team argument like I, I think of this and It's funny because I've seen plenty of people talk about the America's team moniker and they're just like, I don't know that this is a good thing. Like the only other sports team that calls themselves America's team, everybody hates. If the Reds are in position for other fan bases to hate them, isn't that kind of a good thing? Like nobody hates the Cowboys just because they call themselves America's team. They hate them because they're in the news all the time, because they're interesting, because they're actually doing something the reds for very for pretty much most of my life have done very little i mean i'm wearing this division championship t-shirt because 2012 was an amazing year and that's really the like the best year as far as my reds fans existence that this team has looked i mean 1999 was awesome 1995 was awesome 95 i was still a little bit young but the the way that this team has come together around its young st- you know, budding stars. Well, I think they can get there. There's lots of people talking really good things about Matt McClain and Spencer Steer and, and and Ellie De La Cruz, but also Jonathan India, the way that he's leading them. You're talking about Hunter Green, Nick Graham Ashcraft. Like this team is just so good. And so young, the fact that they have this mentality I think it should be celebrated. I I think there's an element of the defeatism for Reds fans and for Cincinnati fans as a whole, that we get a little bit worried when our teams feel good about themselves, we think, Oh no, that's not good. They can't feel good. No, 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 no. They're just going to go back down to where they were a couple of years ago. I don't
1: think that's the case. I don't fault any Cincinnati sports fan for having that. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop mentality. We've all learned the hard way that that's a thing in this city. Uh, Shout out to bald Reds fan over on YouTube saying reds, white, and blue, baby. I love it. Here's the thing. This team is so exciting that it's forcing MLB network and ESPN to talk about teams other than the (laughs) Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. That to me, that tells you everything you need to know when the national shows are spending time talking about the Cincinnati Reds instead of Mookie Betts and the Dodgers yep. instead of Aaron Judge and the Yankees that is a big deal that is that tells you more about the success and the excitement and the energy surrounding this Reds team than anything you can say anything that i could say any comment that we could get that will tell you more right now because they are forcing the national media to sit up and pay attention
2: Well, and what does every American, what does every sports fan, it doesn't even have to be an American thing worldwide. What does every sports fan love? An underdog. What were the reds coming into this year? Completely forgotten, not talked about at all. No one thought anything was going to happen from this team.
1: We were told they were out of it on opening day
2: by the owners. So yes, Everybody was just like, well, yeah, we're not even thinking about them. And now they are like, you mentioned MLB network spent a segment, not two seconds, not like, you know, Sean Casey being on MLB network and saying, by the way, my old team, man, they're pretty plucky and interesting. Like they spent a segment talking about Matt McClain and how he compares to Alex Bregman dude winning world series for the houston astros we're talking about matt mcclain in the same breath like this is the kind of thing that is so much fun to see and i feel like we should embrace this we should not be looking at the moniker of america's team and and start to question it we should be behind these guys man they are so much fun to watch
1: they are and as you mentioned there are some things Uh, coming very quickly that are going to shake up certain areas of this team Uh, the outfield being the biggest shakeup of all Uh, coming up here in just a minute we're going to talk about who could be coming back who is going to have to leave in the process and we're going to get some of your questions and comments in what you think about that we're going to get into all of that coming up here in just a minute Today's episode is brought to you in part by Bird Dogs. Listen, if you haven't tried these Bird Dog shorts, I am telling you you are missing out. Uh, you've heard Jeff do the ad read. You know, Jeff is not uh, considered a swanky dresser if you've ever run into him out and about in town. I really, neither am I. Neither one of us are, but these Bird Dog shorts are shorts that you can wear to go to the pool. You can wear them to go to the ballpark. You can wear them to go out to dinner. They just look great. If you saw me rolling around Great American Ballpark, I on Purpose wore bird dog shorts the entire time i was down there just you know to kind of shout out our sponsors and they are so incredibly comfortable Uh, they they look great they go good with the sports jerseys i was able to go out on the town and hit the banks after the game and feel like i didn't look like a slob jeff and i know you've had similar experiences i'm sure hannah was really glad to see you sporting the bird dogs versus what you're normally rolling around the ballpark in
2: Yeah, the prestige level of the wardrobe definitely increased with some bird dog shorts in them. And you can increase your uh, prestige and your comfort by going to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and making a purchase. Because when you go to that URL, you're going to get this awesome Yeti style Tumblr uh, free with your purchase. Yep, Steve's got one too. Uh, Absolutely amazing shorts. They're the most comfortable shorts that I own, bore none. This is not like a thing where someone's telling me to say this. I actually put them on. I'm like, yeah, these are the most comfortable things I've ever worn. You should check them out. What's that URL again, Steve?
1: at birddogs.com slash locked on MLB to get your free Tumblr with your
0: order. New game day shirt. Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate.
1: All right, the Reds are off, but don't forget when they do play, you can follow every pitch of the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds to get the broadcast of every pitch. All right, Jeff, let's get back into this whole outfield shakeup situation here on this live bonus edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Uh, The outfield probably is the area where – the biggest shakeups could be coming and that's mostly necessitated by the guys that are going to be returning right you know, will myers is down there right now on uh, injury rehab and he's probably just days away uh from being activated i have said out loud i felt like the best move was to go ahead and just designate mm-hmm. uh will myers for assignment uh, i feel like i saw enough of whatever was going on with him uh that what his contributions could be are not worth disrupting what the young guys are doing. However, you and some of our commenters have made the, the realistic point that, the Reds may prefer to try and give him one more opportunity to see if he can play well enough to become a trade chip, to become something that we could flip for. And I'm not saying anything big, but maybe a you know low-level single A prospect that you know was once considered to be something that is you know not lived up to their potential. I could see Will Myers getting something like that if he can come back from the injured list and hit a little bit.
2: Well, and and think about. The trade that the Reds made of Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin brought back a dude named Hector Rodriguez. And if you've seen that name going around, it's because he's sitting Daytona on fire right now, like absolutely hitting the cover off the ball down there. Probably going to get a promotion pretty soon up here to Dayton. Looking forward to watching him in a Dragons uniform. But you can make these trades for guys that sure. They're probably more down the road. Like Hector Rodriguez probably ain't coming up until I don't know, 2025, 2026, something like that, but you're investing in the future of this team. That crawl has constantly said he wants to build a functional organization that is good consistently year in and year out. Think about the St. Louis Cardinals before this year. Sorry, JD. I know our friend over at Lockdown Cardinals is hating so far what's going on this year. So Will Myers still has that kind of value if you can bring him up. And here's the thing with that. Knowing that, knowing the value that he could bring, add that into his personal profile and let's do this. There are really five guys that I'm looking at here because you have the two guys on rehab and you have three depth right-handed bat bats for the Reds on the bench when it comes to the outfield. Um, I don't think they're sending down Will Benson. They're not sent, they're not going to weaken their left-handed part of the lineup. Plus Will Benson's played well so far this year or after coming up. Um, I, I think you've got to rank Will Myers, Nixon Zell, Stuart Fairchild, Jose Barrero, and TJ Hopkins. Who are the two of those five that you want? Or I guess three. No, I'm sorry, three. I, I did the math wrong there. Three of those five, and the other two guys have to either be sent down or DFA'd.
1: Well, I definitely want to keep Will Benson. I feel like he has finally started to figure it out. I feel like that he
2: is well. he's not a part of this. It's uh, the right-handers. The right-handers. Yeah.
1: Oh, the right-handers. Okay, sorry about that. So let's just do it like this. I think the very first move is going to be to send Hopkins out just because. It's crowded right now, and he really needs to play every day. I I think that it's a disservice to him to keep him on this, getting spot starts and the occasional pinch hit or or substitution late in the game. Uh, They need to send him down, get him every day at bats, have him ready to be a a reasonable uh, inclusion in the 2024 situation. Have him Mm. ready to play come next opening day. So Hopkins has got to go back down to AAA so that he can play. The next piece of this, I think, is Stuart Fairchild. I know that he continues Mm. to show flashes. He continues to do things every once in a while that makes people ask questions like you asked uh, early in the first segment, which is did he play his way into, you know, Staying on the roster. And I think, no, I think he's a very valuable piece that you stash down in triple a that you bring up. If somebody's injured that can come give you a 10 to 15 day, decent fill in while you're waiting for your regular guy to get back. I don't see Stuart Fairchild as a long term viable starter slash platoon dude on this team. So him, I'm sending him down too. So that's two guys right there. The next piece of this, I think is Jose Barrero, uh, the forgotten man. You know, everybody joked when he was in the starting lineup uh, last night, that, wow, Jose Barrero is still on this team. We have a Jose Barrero sighting. And then he goes out and he really doesn't um, play in a way that makes you think, yeah, we really need to keep him around. I think, like Hopkins, he's another guy that needs to go down, stash him at Triple A, get him every day playing time, and then you use him when there's an injury. You use him when you need – to fill in. And the great thing about Barrero is now you can use him to fill in at, uh, multiple positions. He can mm-hmm. come in. If you need some help on the infield, he can come back up. If you need some help in the outfield, he can cover all those positions. So those I think are the three guys. Those are the easy answers. As far as I'm concerned, Jeff, you can send all three of those players down, not lose any of them and keep them stashed in case of injury. In case, you know, you need a, a, a spot guy for a doubleheader, whatever it is, you, you right. can, you can bring one of them back up to help fill out the roster.
2: So you could conceivably do that. You could send on those three guys, and you could bring back from rehab Senzel, Myers, and Joey Votto. Then you would open up the three-catcher plan and and uh, cut off, you know, Kirk Casale there probably, and then you bring up CES, and then there's your moves. That's how your roster gets shaken out. You don't have anything that's too, you know, too jarring of a move for this roster because I definitely think they have to consider any sort of um chemistry that the team is built in the locker room whenever they make these moves of whoever they're calling up. But it's obvious, like Joey Vado's coming back, Nixon Zell's coming back. I think it's Seventy percent obvious that Will Myers is coming back, and I think it should be almost more so that CES gets called up. Like I think it should almost be a a, a better chance of CES getting a call up than um, Will Myers getting cut. I, I I think should be the way that that should shake out. So yeah, I I would agree with you. I tend to, I tend to believe that if they're only going to cut or if they're only going to send down two outfielders i do think you send down Barrero and hopkins and i think you keep fairchild but um looking ahead to the other moves that need to be made not just will myers and nixon zell it does make sense to send down all three of those guys plus you could play spencer steer the corners
1: right and i will say jeff i'm not ignoring the fact that those moves don't necessarily solve a 40-man roster problem but i think there's other guys on the 40-man that the reds could get through waivers and not lose uh when the time comes there's going to be there's going to be the active roster shuffling in order to get these guys back and then there's going to be the 40 man roster shuffling to get these guys back and i think the 40 man is not as big a deal there's going to be ways that the reds can do that and with players that nobody's going to scoop up and and immediately take away from the system
2: no i i would i would wholeheartedly agree with that and i think overall i mean this is such a good problem to have we're not talking about shuffling deck chairs on the titanic like we've seen in the last couple of years where it's just like yep we got uh, one waiver wire ad that we're replacing another waiver wire ad with you know like things like that we're talking about You know Nick Senzel, who has shown some flashes. I'm not going to say that he's fully back, but he's shown some flashes so far this year. We're talking about getting Joseph Daniel Votto back in this lineup, which is super exciting. And then Will Myers. I mean, Will Myers could be a very interesting piece for this team, and it's going to open up the ability. And also, too, I almost forgot about this, Jake Fraley. He's on the I.L. You're going to have to make a move to bring him back as well. But you will open up the possibility of having uh, platoons all throughout the outfield because you can have a full left-hand Outfield and Friedel Benson and Fraley, and then you can have a full right handed outfield with Meyer Senzel and, um, and, uh, you know, Spencer Steer if you wanted to. So, um, I, I think that this is a very good problem for the Reds to have.
1: It is. And now, Jeff, we have reached my favorite time of these lives, because coming up here, we're going to go all in on the question and comment section. If you're watching us live on YouTube right now, thank you so much. We're getting to your stuff coming out of this next break. And if you're on the audio feed, uh, we're going to put this as a bonus episode. You'll note that it's not broken up. It's going to be a giant long episode for you you to get all of your Reds information. And we're going to get to those questions and comments coming up right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Ninety three percent of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a seventy five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need Indeed.
2: Before we do, though, wanted to remind you that you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast as they head down to Houston to face the defending World Series champion Astros starting tomorrow night uh, on the SiriusXM app. Uh, Just download the SXM app and search the word reds and as always thanks for making us your first listen every day you can follow us on your favorite podcasting platform make sure that you're following us right here on youtube we've got so much content for you as we move through trade season gonna be lots of rumors and lots of moves that we will keep you apprised of each and every day here on lockdown reds because we are here with you each and every day All right, Steve, what do we got here? What's our. We're
1: going to start. We're going to pick up right where we left off there in that last segment, and that's with Joey Votto. Mr. E checks in, and I want to get this out of the way right now. Uh, Mr. E says Votto only comes into the picture if he can get something going down at triple A. It would be great to have Votto on this team for the next few seasons or more if he could become productive. Mr. E goes on to say, clearly it wasn't just surgery that he needed. Whatever it is with him is still an issue. I I don't agree with that, Mr. E, as far as that there's something else going on. Look, Joey Votto was a little over 10% below league average last year and the year before with one arm. He has had a total shoulder and bicep reconstruction. And I think the fact that he managed to get back into some spring training games, uh, albeit very prematurely, uh, made us think that he was further along than he really was. Joey said all along that he was going to be the one to dictate when he returns. He was going to be the one to say when he felt like he was all right. Uh, The fact that he's now on his second rehab assignment tells me that he feels like physically He was ready to go out and do some things. His at-bats down at AAA have looked better. I know that the the batting average, the the counting statistics don't necessarily say Joey Votto is ready to come set the world on fire, but his at-bats have looked good. He's been down there drawing walks. He's been down there playing in multiple back-to-back games. He's been doing all the things that he needs to do. Uh, Remember also that Votto is a notorious slow starter and you can't really, and this for him is spring training. He's going to be coming out of spring training. Here's what I anticipate. He's going to come to the active roster when this rehab stint is over. he's gonna start slow everybody's gonna call for his head and then he's gonna get hot and remind us why he's joey Vado. that's my prediction that's what i think is gonna happen and that's the way that i think it's gonna go
2: yeah no we're in total agreement here like i i find it interesting because i've been uh checking out this sub stack it's a guy named uh will carroll he does a lot of injury updates and things like that he was at louisville he was watching joey Vado in his most recent uh rehab game i think it was i think he saw like a tuesday game and he was saying, he's like, he looks a lot better. He's really extending through his swing. He wasn't doing that in his first rehab stand. He was doing a lot of short arm swings, a lot of just didn't look right. And he says now he's really extending over the weekend. I believe it was on Sunday. He hit a monster home run, like absolutely screamed it. It was a beautiful shot. So I really think that the key here is not, okay, what's his batting average in Louisville or what's his on base percentage or how many hits is he getting? You know, things like that. We're looking at how does he look at the plate? How does he look when he's running the bases, when he's playing in the field, things like that? Because he's obviously going to have some weird statistics on his rehab as he's just literally trying to get the muscle memory back in his arm. It's it's not the case of, well, he's just going to pick up right where he left off right before he had the surgery. They literally had to rebuild the muscles in his arm, like in, in, in the way that everything that or, – or that might be a little bit dramatic, but – It was a huge surgery, and you don't just come back from that like everything is hunky-dory. Like I I think that we are going to see Joey Votto take a minute to get going, but I still think that we will see a Joey Votto that's much closer to the 2021 version than the 2019 or 2020 version. Absolutely,
1: Cam Bolin checks in, and I show this to get to the next comment. But Cam checks in and says the Reds are winning the National League Central. Bet on it now. I think Jeff and I at this point are right there with you, Cam. But I
2: think our odds Ortner- are actually under um, ten to one now. I think it's—I I forget exactly what it is specifically, but like at the beginning of the season, the odds were like plus four thousand or something. I, I think you're looking really good if you took the over on the sixty-five-five win total.
1: I think that's going like to be. We told you, like, Scott Horsmeyer checks in Jeff and says, does anyone trust this ownership group to do what it takes to keep this going? Well, here's the thing. I think that what I trust this ownership group to do now is stay out of Nick Crawl's way. They're going to give him a budget and tell him to go baseball. And that's the best situation that we can hope for because the Castellinis are not selling this team. Despite whatever billboard you may have seen in Cincinnati, it's not happening. They're not selling the team. Uh, What I think they did learn is that they have to stop meddling with baseball operations. Their job is to set a budget and get out of the way. And I think that they have embraced that. Now, do I think Phil's going to stop saying dumb things? No. Do I think that there's still going to be times where I refer to him as the SOB? That's son of Bob. uh, When he does things, that's absolutely going to happen. But I trust at this point that they've learned enough with the blowback that they received for meddling in the baseball operations that they won't do that anymore. And uh, what they're learning is if they do that and they have good baseball people, the Reds will win games, which will – Cause people to buy tickets which will make them more money i think that's what they're learning and i'm confident in them staying out of nick crawl's way
2: And, and that's what we've been saying right we've been saying this for the last year last couple of years really is that just you know provide the front office with a budget and let them do their thing let the baseball people baseball. And I don't necessarily believe there is anything that Phil or Bob have to do with the day-to-day machinations of this team anymore. If that were the case, Luis Castillo would probably still be on this team. And Tyler Malley might still be on this team. They, They were so attached to the whole idea of, well, we can't trade away fan favorites. And then they torpedoed the first attempt at this rebuild back in 2015, but now they have gotten out of the way and they said, you know what, Nick, this is your deal. This is your plan. You run your plan. And I think that we are seeing that. And that's really all we can ask because we can, we can scream until we're blue in the face for ownership to spend more money on this team, but it's just about letting the smart baseball people do smart baseball things. The guardians have shown that the rays have shown that heck the Arizona diamondbacks this year are showing that like. You don't have to spend, and as much as I hate to say this because I would love to see the Reds do this because it would be a really fun offseason, but you don't have to spend $450 million to make a good team.
1: No, there's going to be an interesting exercise that we do at the end of this season when we add up what the Reds spent per win and when we add up what the Mets spent per win. and the Reds got a better record right now. I I think the Reds are going to end up in the value column on that one, uh, for sure. And, and to, and to your point about the ownership group meddling, uh, an example folks, in case you've forgotten, there was a time where Dick Williams had arranged a trade of Billy Hamilton to get something in return for Billy Hamilton that would have benefited the team, and Bob Castellini torpedoed it. That's right. all you need to know about how the ownership group meddled in baseball operations. So, you know, I do not blame Dick Williams at all for jumping over and running Skyline Chili versus sticking with the Castellinis. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that the Castellinis would have ever turned Dick Williams loose like they've turned Nick Craw loose, and I think that's because Dick Williams wasn't in a believer in being able to do it without spending the yeah. money. And, and, as well, and, you know, Dick Williams wanted to yeah. spend on top of doing the things,
2: and he did. He did spend money in some good places. I mean, Dick Williams rebuilt this player development system, and and Nick Crawl kind of tweaked it whenever he got here because you know, as we have learned uh, through some different people we've talked to, the Reds kind of overcorrected, so they had to come back. But it was just, it, it, I think, Nick Crawl has done a fantastic job overall. I mean, we can nitpick at a couple of different things here and there. Like, all right, you really should have gotten a better veteran starter this offseason. but the big picture has been so clear. And if you can't see where this team is, where they're going and still not, and still have this hatred for how the reds are running things, then I can't help you because they are proving us all wrong that sure last year sucked but there was a vision and we're seeing it come to fruition.
1: Greg checks in and says time to change the name of the podcast to locked on America's team. I love it. (laughs) Listen, Jeff cam checks in with a thought that you, you spent a little bit of time talking about this and I I want you to expand upon it. Um, cam says uh, Matt McLean is the best red right now. And, and you spent some time talking about that, I think on today's episode. And I have a hard time arguing for anybody else.
2: Yeah, I've seen some arguments, too, from uh, folks that say, well, Spencer Steer, or there were a few that said Alexis Diaz. I actually saw some on Twitter last night that were saying that it's Alexis Diaz. And look, Alexis Diaz is automatic at what he needs to do. But Matt McClain is out there every day. Matt McClain is out there for four or five at-bats each and every night. He can affect the game in a much bigger way than Alexis Diaz can. And when he, when he has that opportunity to do so he has production wise, amazing. He's hitting over 300 uh, and it's a small sample size. I understand that. He's slugging over 500, but in 28 games, 13 of those games are multi-hit performances. Like that is in and of itself is a just phenomenal stat for a rookie to have, because this is the point, And we're already seeing it with Ellie de la Cruz, where guys are starting to learn how to pitch to them. They learn how to throw backwards or pitch, you know, throw them some stuff they haven't seen in AAA before. Steve, Matt McClain's batting average against breaking balls is higher than it is against fastballs. There's something about this dude that is just, different and in the segment that mark de rosa had on mlb network talking about his swing mechanics and things that they if you ever watch like a swing coach uh video like every so often i'll get in this hole on tiktok like different guys talking about you know great hitting approaches and things like that matt McLean literally checks every single box that they say like he is mechanically sound he is physically strong. He is mentally strong. I mean, how many times have we seen him talk about, like, oh, I just had a great game? Yeah, I kind of forgot about that already. We're looking at tomorrow, trying to win tomorrow. Like, he is just so focused on what is next that he has no time to worry about whether he succeeded more than people thought he would or that he failed uh, miserably. Like, there's no scenario that I think can rattle this dude. And, and, and he is only 28 games into his big league career. And lest we forget, in this this was a point that Mark DeRosa made that I totally forgot. He was drafted in the first round twice. The talent has always been there.
1: It has. If you recall how excited I was <laughs> after I sat and talked with him last season when we did that interview, uh, I, I really came away from that believing in him and believing that he was the real deal. And I'm, I'm super excited to see what he's doing and, and just the, him delivering on all of the things yeah. that he said he was going to do. You know, Jeff, we spent some time talking about the outfield shakeup and, and how that was an area that the res needed some help in. You know, we didn't to this episode we have in the past, we've talked about the fact that the starting pitching, uh, is a work in progress. There is some situations, uh, developing there. And one of those situations involves Nick Lodolo, uh, Parker Perry checks in and says Nicoladolo will be rested and ready for a playoff push uh, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. Uh, if you missed the update on Nicoladolo, he's still in the boot and he had an MRI done to look at how that Achilles was healing. Uh, it's being framed, the narrative around it is positive. Positive results, Uh, you know, good news on Nicoladolo. The thing is healing. However, he's still in the boot, and best-case scenario now is that he's six to eight weeks away. We're talking about August for a potential Nicoladolo return. Uh, I feel like uh, when we talk about best-case scenarios as far as injuries and medical stuff surrounding the Cincinnati Reds, uh, that's never how it works out. I I think probably it's more realistic to anticipate a mid-August to beginning of September situation for Nick uh, and that would be under normal circumstances the way this team has played in the past where I would be like there's no point leave him shut down bring him back next year no I think these Reds are going to be in playoff contention so I anticipate a September shot in the arm pun intended from Nick Lodolo into this rotation to help get the Reds over the hump win the National League Central and be pretty dangerous in a five-game series to open up the playoffs
2: or three game
1: series to open up playoffs
2: yeah can can we um can we stop letting David Bell write the prognosis for the uh, PR team like there's no dude that has more confusing medical updates than David Bell does like David Bell he, he constantly did this with Joey Votto he's just like man everything is it's it's moving forward it's really positive and he hasn't hit yet it's like no, you just said two totally different things. Like th- there's no such, and, and as much as I love it and, and I love that they're, you know, they're, they're being kind and, and, and sensitive to Nicoladolo's situation by, by saying things like this, but saying, yes, everything is moving forward and positive. We've just pushed back his return date significantly. Like, no, that, that, that's not a thing. Like, you, you, okay. You're trying to soften the blow. I understand that. But I will say this when it comes to Nicoladolo, and then his time frame and when he comes back and things like this, he's basically gonna show up as if the Reds just acquired an ace. And yeah, I know that we kinda figured him into the plans, like we're gonna figure him into the future plans, but the fact that he's been gone for so long, and the Reds have still played very, very well, the Reds will be good, and then he will return and be hopefully be Nick Lodolo with a good Reds team behind him, with a good defense behind him. And that is very exciting. Like, I I know that's like very optimistic and very reds colored goggles there because it sucks that he's not pitching at this moment for the team. But if we have a way to look at it, hopefully he's coming back 100% ready to go like the Reds just traded for, I don't know, Sandy Alcantara or something. Cam checks in,
1: Jeff, and says there's no room on the infield for CES. That's the only issue. I don't agree with that. I think there's creative ways to build out the lineup every day where you get everybody full-time playing time, uh, just not necessarily all at one position. I think CES plays a lot of first base uh, DHS on the days when Joey Votto's in the lineup, when you're resting Joey Votto, uh, CS can drop back to DH steer could play first base. Uh, McLean could play second base. Ellie could be at shortstop steer could get reps at third India can DH steer can jump to the outfield. There's so many moving parts. This is why I was saying, I've been saying all season that it's so important that all of these guys play multiple positions because there is going to be some juggling involved, but it can be done and it can be done in such a way that everybody still gets a full season's worth of plate appearances.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that you're talking about Christian and and strain playing first, Playing DH, he can play a little bit of third too. He's not terrible over there. He's not near as good as Ellie De La Cruz, but uh, he's still pretty decent defensively at third base. But overall, this team is going to be very interchangeable. Like, gone are the days where you see the position designation before a guy's name, and th- and that's just where he played. Like, period. There was no moving around. Like, when the National League got the DH, it's not because there was a, just an excess number of guys that are like Jim Tomei and Edgar Martinez out there who can only dh if you if you have them on their team it's simply because the National League was done using the pitcher as a batter and now they can use their same guys giving them a pseudo off day where they don't have to play in the field but they're still in the lineup and they're still able to contribute
1: absolutely and the fact that we're not running the well, we're not running the part, the important part of the three catcher plan right now, which was Tyler Stevenson taking reps at first base and DH, right. that would have complicated things a little bit. You know, if, if Tyler Stevenson had done that and done it well and been the big bopper that we thought he, or at least I thought he was going to be when they announced this move, then that would complicate things there, there. It would be true that there might not necessarily be room to add CES to this mix, but because it looks like Tyler's going to just be a catcher and occasional DH there's room for ces uh, i still alum- think that
2: alum- it, as as good as the vibes are around around our cincinnati reds i still think the most like hmm moment of the season was whenever david bell said in a post-game presser they're just like we realized that we were asking him to get better at catcher better at hitting and better at being a first baseman by doing this plan it was like you do, you think like come on nobody nobody said that in the meeting huh nobody
1: <laughs> yeah. nobody brought that up listen Josh checks in with this uh, do we think it will help Ellie adjust faster if they let him play shortstop he doesn't seem as comfortable at third base uh, I don't see that he's looked uncomfortable look if you I meant to grab uh, the breakdown either from obscure X Reds or uh, I, I think Bruce Spalding had another, had the same breakdown that showed what Ellie De la Cruz has done his first 40 approximate plate appearances at each level throughout the system. He's right on par with what he's done for the first 40 plate appearances at every level. And what happens is the first 40 look like he's looked right now. And then once he gets over that hump, once he starts approaching 50, 60 plate appearances, he starts knocking the cover off the ball. And he's done that consistently at every level that he's played in. His defensive positioning has absolutely nothing to do with that. He's been playing shortstop and third base throughout the system. I know his splits this year was about two-thirds at shortstop, a third of his time at third base. But he's been playing multiple positions all along. This is not anything new. Uh, the only problem that I've seen with him at third base is that sometimes him and Matt McClain have had some communication issues as far as who's going to take a ball because they both are such athletes and they both have so much range that they both can get the balls that under normal circumstances, you only have one guy that can get to. And, right. in, and in this case, the Reds are blessed that the whole left side of the infield can range incredibly well. So that's been the only downside to me is oh. that they're tripping over each other on balls that would normally get through. So I, I I have no problem with Ellie De La Cruz playing at third base. I ultimately think that's where he's going to end up. I, I know that that's an unpopular opinion, but I think he's not done filling out. He's not done bulking up. And when he does, when he finally becomes the guy that he's going to be at age 23, 24 and is bulky and big, you're going to want him at third base. You're not going to want him at shortstop. So I
2: have no problem with that. It's um, it's a, it's a great day because I mean, it's, it's fun to see two guys going after the ball because they both think they can get it as opposed to Mike Mustakas and Kyle farmer fielding over there where it's just like, can you please get that? Cause <laughs> I'm so glad that we have a left side of the infield. That is just, I mean, we have a whole team. The, the reds roster is full of athletes. There's no longer these random dudes that are playing out of position. That should probably be playing corner infield or DH.
1: Will Culver checks in and he says, do we think Shane Bieber is a likely target for the Reds, improves the starting pitching? I don't normally buy into this. Like, let's talk about specific guys that they can go after. But I put it up there to say this. I am fairly adamant, Jeff, that I don't think they should go out and really get anybody. I am not willing to part with the prospect capital it would take to bring in a starting pitcher that would make enough difference to go out and get them and insert them in this rotation. Uh, If you're going to get anybody like that, you're going to have to give up something to get something. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm simply not willing for the Reds to do that, I want them to just continue to patch together a rotation, wait for Graham Ashcraft to come back. And hopefully after being shut down for, you know, 15 days, he's going to come back and have his head screwed back on straight. I don't know what all of the issues are with him. Uh, you know, we only have been able to speculate as far as his health goes. He says that he is fine. Uh, he's on the injured list because he got hit by a ball in the back of his leg, just below the knee. So it's nothing with his arm. It's not an elbow issue. It's not a shoulder issue. It's simply that he got, he got an owie on his leg so they i think used that opportunity to shut him down and let him clear his head you know yeah. you and i had talked about that that what he really needed was a quick stint on the il you know with a, a case of elevated era and let him reset a little bit and i think that's what they did that's my read on the situation anyway
2: yeah it's a sit down and think about it for a second because they listed it as like a thigh contusion which is a fancy way for saying a bruise. bruise so yeah Cass. i mean that's I I don't think, and I think that even Graham Ashcraft in his post game was adamant that he wouldn't need an IL stint. So Mm -hmm. I think that if he had his if he had his way, maybe he misses one start and he's back. But this was probably the team just saying, "Let's let's take a B risk, Uh, take a B real quick, sit down, uh, you know, have a drink of water or something." But yeah, I don't think so. Here's the thing about Shane Bieber because I've seen him mentioned quite a few times. I think he's on an expiring deal or no, I think he's got one more year of control, actually, um, which means he's just going to be super expensive. And the Guardians might actually be in the exact same boat as the Reds. Like, I don't necessarily know that they're going to want to sell sell. So you would almost have to like impress them with an offer, which means you're talking about Marte or Arroyo or Collier. And I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not thinking about any of those guys for any sort of trade like that, especially for a guy like Bieber. Like once he hits free agents, he's going to get some money. So I don't, I don't think that this is a scenario that the Reds do want to open up the coffers for and really go after a guy. Like, I, I think that, you and me are of the same mind with this. That this this trade deadline season, the Reds need to just almost kind of do what they've done in the past couple off seasons and make moves within the margins. Because this off season, this coming off season, we're going to be busy we're going to be talking about all the moves that the reds should do because they're going to have the ability to make and make lots of moves. But so far this trade deadline, I don't really want to see them make that nuclear trade that we're just going to go crazy about. And and I don't think that's going to be a big issue.
1: See, Mother goose is right there with you. Mother goose says guardians are only three and a half back. They are not selling yet. And even if they do, he will cost a ton of prospects. Yeah. Uh, Mother Goose, we're right there with you. Let me piggyback
2: this, and and, and Mother Goose is actually the reason that I'm going to do this. Would you make a trade with the Cardinals? Ooh, no. Uh, And I don't think
1: even if we're getting something really great in return, like I said, anything great is going to cost. And I am definitely against trading any prospects that can bite us in the butt later within the division. I am, I am adamantly against that. And to your point, because I know the brewers are going to blow up their team. I'm not trading with them either. I'm not trading with anybody in the division.
2: No, that's fair. And and I, I agree with you. Like, I feel like you, it's an easy one-to-one comparison of, well, what are you going to get from this trade? And uh, there's already some trades that the reds have made when they traded away big players for prospects that I think they've already kind of won, like the Luis Castillo deal is still going to be, you know, out there for a discussion for a few more years, but I think they've already won the A.U. Haney Osuarez, Jesse Winker trade. I think they've already won the Tyler Malley trade. Um, I th- Sonny Gray is that's a tougher one because chase Petty's still a few years away, but they, they've well, made some really well. good trades while
1: well in Dayton though. So yeah, like, he what? is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready. Okay, you're right. We can't call that a win yet, but I'm definitely saying uh, Chase Petty has shown enough to to not say that that was a bad deal. It's not a bust.
2: Yes, which which is also a nice way of saying that Nick Kroll doesn't make bad trades. But I think that I I think I'm with you. I don't think we make an in division trade that just opens up all kinds of can of worms.
1: Bassface says it's important to know that this is uncharted territory for us. We don't know how to act. It's a great thing, you know. I said that, you know, and I said that at the beginning of June, right? Like it's, it's the first week of June, and the Reds are playing meaningful baseball, and we don't know
2: how to act. I'm just, you know? I'm just that's, imagining that's, Ricky Bobby, like. That's where we are. Like. I, I don't, don't know
1: what to know what do, to with, do my hands. with my hands. Yeah. I, I don't.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Exactly like, right.
2: This is fun. <laughs>
1: So Justin follows up on that and says, you know, he's afraid to get his hopes up about the Reds, but they're playing great. He's been a fan since he was born, you know, in 1985. I I think that's where we all are. You know, we talked about this a little earlier, Jeff. It's I don't I don't fault any Cincinnati sports fan at all. And I'm not just talking about the reds, any Cincinnati sports fan for being a little apprehensive because yeah. our experience tells us that when something good like this happens, we're about to get bashed in the forehead with something. Well, you know the ownership group will do, or the team will do or, but you know, this is different. This is a different way yes. uh, than the reds have ever acted before. This is a different style of building. It's a different type of, Of rebuild than we've ever seen and uh the more it continues to be successful like this the more i'm i'm really starting to let my guard down and embrace the fact that hey these reds are pretty
2: good and that's another point to the whole being skeptical about how ownership's going to react to this team is that from 2015 through 2019, they realized that players that they received through trades and the players that they had drafted and developed in their system weren't going to cut it. So they tried a very quick, like, let's sign Mike Mustakas, let's sign Castellanos, let's sign all these guys, trade for Trevor Bauer, all this other stuff, and we're going to go all in on 2020 and 2021 and really try to win. And then it just didn't work. This is not a scenario where the window is opening this year to only close after next season. The window is opening, and I, and I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I think that there's no really descript time when it's going to close because this roster is super young. And, and everyone who is a key player on this roster right now is under control for a handful of years, not just one or two or three years, like a handful of seasons. And we could really see the Reds go into an era of like what we really complain about with the Cardinals. Like we always complain, man, the Cardinals are never out of it. They're always in it. They're always in some kind of playoff discussion. I think we are entering an era where the reds are always going to be in playoff conversations. Wolfpack 765
1: checks in and says his question, who platoons with captain chaos at center field. So TJ Friedel, uh, I am, I'm becoming a believer in TJ Friedel. I just say uh, for sure. But, I think when he you should hit total, against
2: lefties too. We're gonna well, we're gonna die on that hill, but yeah,
1: <laughs> true. But if 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 as you mentioned earlier that you go straight platoons, all lefty outfield, all righty outfield, uh, someone's got a platoon with Friedel and center, and I I imagine that will be Nick Senzel because yeah. I think uh, his uh, time in the infield is going to be severely limited, uh, even if they don't bring up. CES if they do bring up CES there's absolutely going to be no reps for him on the infield so he'll have to be the the righty in that center field platoon
2: yeah because the main reason he was on the infield was whenever lefties were pitching and now you've got three right handers covering the positions that he plays on the infield so I think that if he gets any third base time it's just because one of McLean, India or De La Cruz actually got an off day and then you'll see Senzel on the infield but I think we'll see him mostly in center field
1: Steve checks in and says Barrero needs to be traded, and uh, you know I, know I would. Know, I, I don't know what you get. That's the thing. Uh, it's very easy to be like, this guy needs to go. Uh, And, and and I've seen some of that, that directed around Will Myers. Uh, The question is who's going to give you anything for Will Myers. Who's going to give you anything for Jose Barrero Uh, at best. If there's someone that really wants them, they're just going to sit back and wait for the eventual inevitable cut of Will Myers. And as far as Jose Barrero goes, you know, another year or so, the reds may be willing to give him away just to free up his 40 man roster spot. So nobody's going to give you anything to get that guy. Now my hope with Jose Barrero is that they send him down and he plays every day and, and, Starts to look valuable again and then maybe you try and trade him and I think the Reds hope with Will Myers and it's why I think you know like Jeff said 70% that they go ahead and shoehorn him back onto this active roster is the hope that he comes back up uh, you know the weather is the weather's nice out at GABP and we all know what that means the ball flies so i think the hope is that he goes he hits he delivers a little bit and suddenly you know he's worth a low level single a prospect to just get him to somebody else the reds may have to eat a little bit of the money but you get something in return i think that's i i think that's the hope i just don't see that there's anybody that's going to give you anything for some of these guys that are quasi in the way the jose Barreros, the the Will Myers, the, even Nick Senzel. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk about what to do with Nick Senzel. Well, he has no trade value. Um, best you could hope for is if there's another team out there with a former uh, top pick that has kind of been a bust and you do a change of scenery deal for both guys. But beyond that, that's not going to bring you anything that has a meaningful uh, impact on the current team's construction, the current team's ability to win baseball games. So I, I just don't see anything like that happening.
2: Yeah, it's it, it would literally be a one for one of a guy who's in the way for a guy who's in the way. It's not gonna be something for a future a future piece.
0: Let's
1: see what else we got here. Jared on vinyl says Meyer should get one more chance uh, if he is really completely healthy. He's been good for so long, it's hard for Jared to believe that he just fell off a cliff. I agree with that. And I yep. think I think that's the Red's thought process too, right, Jeff? I mean oh, yeah. that's the reason why they they give him a roster spot. And hope that what was going on was part he was injured, part you know Cincinnati in April plays completely different than Cincinnati in June and July. So you know we talked about when they signed him that he's a guy that's built for Great American Ballpark, yes. Great American Ballpark built for him. Uh, you know it can be a very good relationship if he can hit the ball. So I, I, you know, Jared, I you're not wrong. I don't know that he just fell off a cliff, but you know, Matt Kemp fell off a cliff and they ultimately had to cut him. So uh, it happens, but I I think Jared has, there's, I think there's more, it's more likely Jared's right here.
2: Yeah. And and I think that, I mean, Matt, Matt Kemp was basically just seen as the bit of contract from Homer Bailey that they were about to cut anyway, if they hadn't made that trade. I, I, I think that when you, when you look at Will Myers, it's twofold. They, they see, the back of the baseball card, and they see that he's done it before. And because he's done it before, if he starts to do it again for a short period of time this season, you do have trade value. Whereas Jose Barrero Nixon, Nixon's guys like that, they've never done it before. So if they start doing it for a short time this season, every other general manager in the league is going to look at it and be like, okay, he needs to do it longer. I'm not really that interested in him. Like he just had a really good month. Congratulations. Aristides Aquino had a really good month whenever he first came up. So I I think that there is an element of that. They're like back of the baseball card. If he plays to that, we can get a nice deal. And then the other thing is a little bit of ego. They spent nine and a half million dollars on the guy and they spent uh, that same amount of money on Tommy fam and they got Nick North cut for him. So if they can get something out of Tommy fam, they think they can get something out of Will Myers. That's, you're
1: you're absolutely right. Let's try and get to just a few more. We're coming up on our hour time here, Jeff, but I want to try and squeeze in a few more of these. And listen, you guys in the comment section watching live, you all are amazing. Uh, we we've reached thank the you. point in this where there are so many different conversations going on in the chat that I can't keep up and get them all in. Uh, you guys are great. It's my favorite part of doing these lives. Uh, I do go back and read all of these and get and look over everything we didn't get to, looking for future show ideas. So I appreciate you all. This is so great. And while I'm thinking about it. Thank Thanks you guys for putting up with my crappy internet and my, my jerky, you know, stuff that was going on while I was traveling around Ohio. You can see I'm back in Hawaii and back in my studio. Uh, so that issue is resolved, but thanks for being patient with me. I know that it wasn't always um, as easy to listen to. I, I went back and watched a few until Jeff, Ooh, I need, I need a better road set up that that's, that's not going to cut it.
2: I know I was getting
1: <laughs> Greg pace checks in and says we all know how important the mental aspect plays into the game and with graham ashcraft you've seen it firsthand take a break and adjust mentally and then get back to pitching fundamentals that got him here that's that's great that's it that's exactly true um you know the mental thing is a big deal fraley talked a lot about this last year when um he was sent down to triple a on a rehab assignment and then stayed down there for a while he um You know, he acknowledged that, you know, not only did he have to get himself right physically, but he had to get himself right mentally and, and spoke openly about seeking help with that. And, you know, we don't know. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Graham Ashcraft forgot how to pitch when his grandmother died. I think that he's dealing with some stuff. And so hopefully this is a time for him to unplug from the game, figure out what's troubling him, whether it's physical or mental and, and start to address
2: it. And I think that's something to remember about all of these guys. Like, We always talk about this with other sports, but it's the same with baseball. These guys were the best at what they did in their high school and in their, you know, their, their college and things like that. Like they had to be the only the best of the best to use a super old cliche really get to the major leagues so there's an ego about every single one of these guys ricky karcher as much as we love to joke about the fact that he was wild thing out there ricky karcher had an ego about how good a pitcher he was you can't be a major leaguer without one so when your ego gets bruised there's a little bit more than uh, you know than what we us normal folk who aren't professional athletes who sometimes when we fail, we're just like, well, yeah, I do this all the time. I'll figure it out and we'll be fine. Like a guy like Graham Ashcraft had an amazing rookie season. He was having an amazing start to this season. And so whenever the struggle started, I'm sure it got into his head. Just like, yeah, that, I'm better than this. Why am I doing this? And then all of a sudden he gave up six runs and he's just like, well, what? Well, what's happening here? So. I think that it is just fine for him to take this stint and just kind of take a bead. Like, I don't necessarily know that this happened, but, you know, maybe go home and and turn on some island sounds or some beach sounds and and throw on, you know, I don't know, some good movie or something. Just, Just turn your mind off for a minute. I love it. I do it all the
1: time. You know, Jeff, when you were talking about trades, the, the Reds have won versus, you know, trades that the, the verdict's still on, on. You left off a very, very important one. And uh, Jared on Vinyl checks in with that. Uh, the Tyler Malley trade is one of the best trades in Reds history. Did I don't think you said that one. Yeah, it, I said they won the I, I, Tyler Malley did trade. You, yeah. did, did you? Sorry. I I, I missed it. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Let's talk about it again because that's the trade that brought Spencer Steer over. And uh, Spencer Steer, man, you know, if you'd ask me to beginning of June, you know, Spencer steer rookie of the year. Let's, let's, let's get on it. Let's hype he got it. A case.
2: He really but does.
1: I, I I'm, I'm all for, I think that the Cincinnati reds need to just win last week. I think, I think it should be like a, just everybody gets one. you get in a trophy and you get a trophy and so you give one to McLean, you give one to De La Cruz, you give one to steer, uh, just, just pass them out because, you know, what's going to happen is that those three guys are going to split up the votes enough that, the, you know, the dude from Arizona is going to win, but I want the reds to win that award.
2: Right. And I mean, it was Spencer steer and who else? Chase petty was that?
1: No, no, that was the sunny grade
2: Christian Encarnacion strand. That's right. Christian Encarnacion strand. And he Spencer wasn't, in, steer the sunny, for he Tyler wasn't in the
1: sunny gray? He wasn't in the sunny gray trade.
2: No, sunny gray he was, was just I, chase petty.
1: I think that's, that's right. Yeah. Okay. That's why my bad. See, I'm glad you have a better memory for things like that than I do. All right, let's get two more in here, Jeff. Let me let me uh, look for them Uh, while I'm doing that hype up. What's coming up next for us?
2: Yeah, what's coming up next? We're going to get you set for this Houston series going to be interesting because the Astros. I mean, I mean, they're still good. They're three and a half out of the AL West. The Rangers have just been amazing here, but the Astros haven't been like their normal selves yet and hopefully they won't be their normal selves this weekend. Uh, Andrew Abbott's going to go on Friday. We're going to get you pumped up for that start as uh, we see how much longer he can continue this scoreless streak. He's going to give up a run, everyone. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. He's going to give up a run. Hopefully it won't be on Friday night, though. Maybe he can continue his shutout streak um, on on Friday night. But at some point in his career, he's probably going to give up a run. I can't remember the last pitcher... To have a career and not allow a run. Let's see. Yeah, no one. So it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> Alex
1: Gatto checks in and says that he wishes that we had a true power bat outfielder. A guy who would have you know, at least 12 home runs by now. What do you think about this, Jeff? Um, well, let me follow they, this
2: up real quick. Do with they one need question. to go get
1: a power bat? Well,
2: I think Will Benson can be that guy. But let me follow it up with this question. Who leads the homer or the Reds and homers right now and how many do they have? Spencer uh, Steer. Yeah, <laughs> with 9. Nobody on this team has double digit home runs right now. So if they had somebody with double digit home runs, that would be your main power guy. Um I, I think moving forward we're going to see a lot more power from this lineup. I think we'll see it more from Will Benson. Will Benson has shown that he doesn't really hit lefties all that well, which is a little bit distressing because I was kind of hoping he would be a platoon buster, but against righties ever since his call up, he has looked fantastic and he has got the kind of exit velocity on the average that we were expecting to see. I I really think, yep. OJ got it. Right. Um, I, I really think that will Benson moving forward can be that power bat in the outfield and Jake Fraley to his credit is streaky with his power. Um, but he can have it from time to time.
1: Greg <laughs> says, I wish Jeff showed some excitement in his postgame shorts when we win. Laughing out loud. Yeah, Jeff is a little excitable when uh, when uh, the Reds win.
2: A little bit, just a little bit.
1: <laughs> says that uh, Greg Pace says that Fraley, when healthy and playing every day, could be that power bat in the outfield.
2: Just um, can't I don't know if
1: he's here. ever really going to get, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to get everyday um, playing time like that. Do you think, think- do you think ultimately Spencer Steer just ends up being a corner outfielder? I mean, at some point in time, if uh, I could see that, that, that could actually become a thing where he gets the majority of his playing time in the corner outfield.
2: And I and I think by majority, I think we're talking like maybe sixty percent of the time. Like it's not going to be eighty percent. Like he is, and and we said this whenever he was first called up last September. But his his role on this team is going to be the Ben Zobrist. It's going to be the Chris Bryant. It's going to be the guy that moves around. He plays a little bit of third, a little bit of second, a little bit of first, a little bit of left, a little bit of right. You know things like that. He's going to fit in as the Reds need him to do, and he's still going to get. Plenty of at-bats. We're still going to see him get either every day or almost every day at-bats throughout the course of his career, but he's ready to play in other positions. And I, I, I want to say that Chris Bryant, I think, for the majority of his career, has played left field, but he's definitely played plenty of third base and tiny bit of shortstop and, and things like that. So I could see that being Spencer Steer
1: there's a great conversation going on in the chat, but Jeff, I think that's probably a good spot to go ahead and wrap it up for today. I do want to say folks that, uh, over the next several weeks, it just works out that the reds are off on Thursday. So I know that's why we went live today. We figured a nice off day live. Uh, the reds are off next week, Thursday. So we're going to do this again. We're going to run it back. We're going to do another live next week, Thursday, probably about the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay tuned to your podcast feeds. We'll give you more details as that comes closer. Uh, it's so much fun talking baseball with you guys. Uh, I just I have so much fun with these lives, Jeff. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to remind everyone that if you need a place to listen to the Reds hometown broadcast, you can do that with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds, and you're going to get uh, every pitch of the Reds baseball action.
2: And uh, speaking to the conversation that's ongoing in the comments section, if you want to continue that, we do have a Discord, and basically that's kind of how the Discord is. We just keep on talking Reds all day long. Uh, We've got a link in that down in the uh, description. You can join that. You can also join, I I have started up a subtext. If you want to check that out, text I'm in to the number in the link. I've also got a number in the description. I've also got a uh, link there in the description to join that as well but we're always talking reds we're covering reds we're here with you every single day locked on reds covers the reds every day because we are part of the locked on podcast network we are your team every day and we'll get you set for this astro series coming up on tomorrow's podcast so make sure you check us out why is that steve because we
1: are going to keep everyone locked on reds every single day Couldn't find the button, could you?
2: I mean, no. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.